Let's get down to business. Welcome to Profits and Purpose, a Colorado Business Roundtable production that unapologetically tells the story that business is good through conversations with Colorado's business leaders. Please welcome your host, the president of the Colorado Business Roundtable, Debbie Brown. Thanks for joining us today on Profits and Purpose, a production of Colorado Business Roundtable, where we talk with leaders, not only from academia, business, and community, but also from the government sector, who are definitely steering us in the right direction after COVID and after all the other economic fallout from 2020 and 2021. Hopefully, we're on the tail end of that. But today, I'm really excited to welcome a group here today, um, led by Lee Wheeler Berliner, who leads the Colorado Workforce Development Council and is a great partner for Colorado Business Roundtable. And we're talking about workforce, and in particular today, about job quality. And I'll bring Lee in first for some introductions and then some other guests that he's brought with him today. And it's an interesting topic regarding what the Colorado Workforce Development Council has done to study job quality and how improving job quality is an important part of Colorado's economic recovery. So first, I want to welcome Lee and tell us a little bit about yourself, Lee, and what you do with uh, Colorado Workforce Development Council. Thanks so much, Debbie. It's great to be with you today and to engage in this conversation on job quality. As Debbie stated, I'm Lee Wheeler Berliner, the Managing Director for the Colorado Workforce Development Council. And in my role, I get to work with a fantastic team housed within state government to partner with governor-appointed council members, multiple state agencies, business leaders throughout the state, and others to look at our strategy around talent development and to ensure that Colorado has a demand-driven talent development system. And then we have the right pipeline to both meet the needs of employers to ensure that you have access to skilled talent and so that individuals can get access to meaningful jobs and ultimately resulting in statewide and individual economic vitality. And I think that's perfect. I know, Lee, you and I have talked for several years now about the importance of talent. Um, Certainly, businesses aren't bricks and mortar. They're really made up of people who provide the talent and resources and skills and innovation that really drive everything about the economy. So there couldn't be a more important topic, particularly in light of recovery. And so I'd love to also bring in Colleen Wanaka from your staff. Colleen, tell us more about you. What's your role with with the team? Yeah, thanks. Um, Great to be here. I really focus my time on um, supporting and building sector partnerships. So we really are diving into specific industries and looking at what the business needs are and just making those connections, collaborations um, across the board in their communities. So that's kind of the main uh, goal of, of my position is to really do outreach and let people know what's available and also gather that feedback um, so we can make informed decisions. Mm-hmm. Great. Sounds like an incredibly important part of your job, a part of uh, job quality and might be a good segue to Dan Weinstein, who's also joining us today as a vice president of Aon. Uh, I was just chatting with Dan before we started the podcast to hear about the exciting work they do across the globe. Uh, but Dan is headquartered here in Colorado. So Dan, tell us, tell us about you. What's your story? Um, well, so I, uh, I'm actually part of the Denver Workforce Development Board, which is probably how I got pulled into this group in large part, um, but also over at Aon, uh, not only internally, but also work with a lot of external organizations here in Colorado uh, and around, around the country, focusing on talent and uh, a little bit more on health and welfare benefits and how those help 
employees really from a job quality standpoint because every everyone's at a different stage and that has different needs. So Dan, you're really bringing the private sector viewpoint to the table then with your service in the discussion about job quality. Yes. What led you to that interest? How did you get uh, involved? How did you jump in and, and lend uh, sort of the private sector viewpoint? Yeah, well, you know, I think it's, uh, I've, I've tended to, to follow what I'm passionate about. And so um, a long time ago, I, I started focusing on working with, uh, with nonprofits, non-government organizations, um, really around employment and, and organizations that are helping individuals get back into the workforce and clear hurdles that, that they may have. That led me to the Denver Workforce Development Board, and, um, and that all fits very nicely into uh, what I would say is my, my day job and having those conversations with employers, not just around how do you provide insurance, but more broadly, what do employees need right now? How are you recruiting talent? How are you keeping them? So it all... It's all one big world that everything intersects in. <laughs> I think that's so true. I think if anything, um, the last couple of years have shown us is we're all in this together. So how do we all lean in and collaborate more effectively, come up with solutions together? You know, there's not just one um, entity that has all the right answers. In particular on this topic, I'm going to throw it back to Lee. Uh, I was curious when I first heard about it, job quality, I would have thought, boy, every job is a quality job. But when I delved a little bit deeper into what um, had been produced about really understanding what quality jobs are and how um, employers can really focus on creating quality jobs, not only to um, benefit, uh, you know, their bottom line, but certainly, you know, the the effects um, are multipliers in lots of different arenas. So Lee, kick us off and tell, tell us more what it is to have a quality job, job quality. Absolutely, Debbie. And I'll start by saying it's an easy statement for employers to say that we have a lot of good jobs within our company and for an individual to say, I want to get a good job. And I think what we've uncovered, what society has shown us when we think about employee engagement, when we think about impacts of the pandemic and recovery and what the future of work looks like, we know that the relationship between an individual and an employer is not one dimensional. And it is not a black and white question of, is this job a good job or is it a bad job? And so that's where the space really is created to talk about job quality and to talk about that on a continuum, to understand that jobs have great aspects about them. Nearly all jobs have some type of great positive aspect that supports an individual, that creates enhanced competitiveness for a company, and also helps to engage employers. And at the same time, there's other aspects that can be thought about that can enhance the competitiveness of jobs that employers can use to attract talent and to retain talent within their company and to really build a culture. So we believe that job quality is important because high quality jobs have been shown to attract better workers, to reduce turnover costs, and to increase that employee engagement and productivity. And with the job quality framework that we've recently released here in the state of Colorado, we've built on national research to understand that within our context here in our state, what is the role of communities to increase the number of quality jobs in your city, in your community or county? What is the role of a company? What are the levers that you can think about across the spectrum of wages, benefits, scheduling, management, decision-making that can contribute to an individual's experience? And then what is the role of leaders, both within a company and within other organizations as well, to advance this conversation? So we're excited to have released the job quality framework as a tool for conversation and ultimately accompanying supports that businesses can use to think about how they shift this narrative a little bit and, and inspect their own practices in a way that can ultimately make them more competitive, more attractive for talent, which we know is in short supply in a lot of industries right now in the state. 
Absolutely. And Liam, looking at the graphic too that was released with the framework and tell us a little bit more. There's sort of three key points on the framework um, and, and it also doesn't look that rigid. It looks like it allows for some fluidity knowing that private industry, um, other other enterprises that employ people certainly are moving um, towards a more flexible workforce, but we're in kind of a strange dynamic time. So tell me more about the three points of the framework and what kind of fluidity might be built in. So those three kind of domains across the framework are attract, create, and elevate. And at the attract phase, which in our visual is at the bottom of a pyramid structure, that's a place where communities can really engage to think about how do we reach out to companies and help them grow within our community that we know are supporting individuals, supporting the broader context and and our ecosystem here in this part of the state, and really think about how you attract companies to that regional space. In some ways, it's similar to some of the concepts of economic development and how economic developers utilize their tools at their disposal. And this is another lens to think about the role of communities in attracting high quality jobs and employers who are engaged in this conversation. That second tier is the create tier. And that is where companies can really think about how they create high quality jobs, how they look at the various components that they are in control of that flow into the total compensation package and overall the daily experience that an individual employee has with their company and really think about how you can make some changes to create high quality jobs. And then that third tier is around elevates. And this is where we believe that leaders are responsible for elevating this conversation within their company and in other spaces as well. And so ultimately when we think about the research on employee engagement, a lot of it often comes down to the relationship between the direct supervisor. And so what is the role of that person as a leader to enhance this conversation, to focus in on what they can do to support the quality experience that their employees have, And then also how can leaders in the C-level and the C-suite within companies think about how you drive this throughout your organization? How do you then cultivate a culture of high quality within your leadership, within your managers, within your supervisors, so that everybody within your company has a good experience and is excited to come to work and be productive each and every day? So it's, it's a toolbox, a framework for employers to consider with how they grow and thrive in the future in terms of workforce. Absolutely. Which lends me back to you, Dan, as somebody who um, I suspect had had some input into this framework, and you're looking at this from an employer perspective. Um, why is job quality important to you as an executive of a of a private sector company? Well, when when I when I think about job quality, the the word that comes to mind most is is diversity and and diversity of individuals, diversity of thought, um, and that's you know what I think a lot of organizations are are looking for. Um, in, in their employees. So um, one of the things that, that uh, Aon has focused on, on for years and fits into this is, is looking at, um, at, at apprenticeship programs. Um, because when you look at, uh, you know, when a lot of organizations look at their own hiring practices, uh, some of the, the uh, inherent issues there are that individuals tend to hire others that, that look and speak exactly like them. Um, which is a horrible way of, of creating a diversity, diverse in, um, background of employees and, and, and thought, right? So um, by looking at that and recognizing that and then intentionally taking steps to, to change that, so um, looking at different organizations, universities, uh, schools that you are recruiting from, and from an apprenticeship program, um, trying to provide additional assistance. And we talk about equity to those that maybe wouldn't normally move into this field and getting them into a program, providing funds to help 
then finish schooling and then providing a guaranteed job after that, um, we've seen just uh, you know amazing, amazing results from um, changing who Aon uh, looks like, which then creates that good, vicious cycle of the more diverse you are, the more uh, diverse applicants you will start to to get from there. That's been a really a, a really key piece of, of what we've been doing in the community. Um, and as Lee had mentioned, it works from both sides. You know, job quality is driven largely from that supervisor role. Um, but if the organization from the top down is not uh, walking the walk and, and talking the talk, then it will only last so long before kind of before it starts to fall apart. So you need you need everyone on on board with that. So Dan, you've already you've already discussed some of the actions that your business has taken to improve and advance job quality and some of the impacts. I'm curious, how, how did COVID affect some of that? If you have any other sort of anecdotal information, um, I've heard from employers, for example, who didn't have flexibility on scheduling or flexibility at work at home. Of course, you know, it's, it's a changed world coming out, but what, what have you seen lately in terms of impacts? So, you know, I mean, I guess one of the good things from, uh, from Anne's perspective, uh, work from home was absolutely possible. Obviously, not every industry you can have can 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 have that physically happen, right? But if if anything, it created a opportunity for us to realize that um, that geography was was not a was a kind of a, a self made barrier to that recruitment, um, and we were able to look more broadly uh, for the best employee. Um, and not just based on where they happen to live or could they make it to the office. Um, and on the other side of it, with that flexibility with work from home, which we have continued even as offices are continuing to open back up, um, we've allowed employees to continue to, to, to work and create a flexible environment, is that it's allowed, uh, you know, the, the best the best people to look at us. We've heard, we've heard stories of, of folks now after all this, um, after the COVID and flexible work environment where they'll apply for a job, uh, maybe a job in Colorado and they're in, you know, they're in Florida and then they find out that that company wants everyone in the office five days a week and they're like, oh, well, okay. And, you know, that organization is missing out on maybe the, a great, a, a great talent. So continuing to have that flexibility and um, being open to that change, right? It's really easy to get stuck in what has always worked, but that's rarely where we need to continue going. <laughs> and it sounds like some of the lessons you've learned, um, you know, you would encourage other businesses to study this framework, to jump in a little bit more. Um, how, what else would you say to other executives who are listening to this recording? And we've got a lot of folks with Colorado Business Roundtable from a variety of industries, and you're, you're representing their voice today. You know, what would you say to them in terms of how they can lean into this concept a little bit more? Yeah, I, I think the the other key piece that I have, uh, you know, personally kind of taken an interest in and 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 fits nicely in there is what uh, I would say loosely falls under what's called trauma informed deployment, um, which is based on trauma informed care. And what that's looking at, and, and we've seen this, uh, and unemployment numbers continue to go up and down, right? And in, in Colorado, prior to COVID, we had very very low unemployment, which which meant um, that oftentimes employers were looking at job seekers that maybe had more barriers to uh, to getting into employment um, than previously. And um, and so understanding how to support those workers once you get them, those employees, once you get them in is important because 
Um, what we see is when there are certain aspects. So when you talk about trauma-informed employment, some of the things are voice and choice and safety, and that could be both physical and, and emotional. Um, when those pieces are not established at, a, at employment, you're gonna have turnover. And it doesn't always show up that way. A lot of times people will just leave, but you're not seeing why why they're leaving. And so really setting up that framework and, and creating that environment for, for employees to thrive. And these are, I would say, fairly basic human resources building blocks, but uh, can easily be overlooked in certain aspects, maybe in the interviewing process or in the review process. Uh, or even how managers interact with their employees. So it's not only having that flexibility, but being aware that uh, that not everyone thinks like you, like the supervisor, like the manager. Yeah, I always think it's easier if everybody thinks like me, but I've never found that to be the case. So <laughs> Colleen, let me, let me bring you in. It, it sort of begs the question, like what are the features of a good job? You know, I, I think of what I would immediately think top of mind. It would, might be different than what Dan would think, different than what Lee would think but perhaps that's a framework where you've tried to add a little bit of structure to it. Uh, perhaps you can weigh in on that. Well, and that's part of the issue is that there's no one single definition for what a job and job quality is. So the characteristics that we're really looking at um, and one of the first things that people typically think of is wages. So wages come and meet those basic living expenses. You wanna have predictable income and potentially be able to build wealth. But then there's more. You've got your working conditions. People want to be safe. Um, you're not wanting to face discrimination or harassment when you're on the job. Um, a, a company that's welcoming, um, once again, talking about supervisors, welcome of your feedback if there's any issues or problems or, or concerns that you have at work. Then we're looking at something like your schedule. What are your working hours? Are they stable? Are they predictable? Do you have more than 24 hours notice of when I go to work tomorrow. So um, that's a really important piece for people. Then you look at benefits. You really want to help get that healthy, stable lifestyle. Once again, building wealth, getting your retirement going. Um, and finally, it's looking at agency and respect. What can I do to contribute and, and really feel that this is a place that I belong? Do I have the ability to change things, to raise my voice? Um, giving you that connection to the broader goals and, and feeling that you're really respected and, and an important component to your, to your business. Mm -hmm. I really like that, Colleen, when we were in the middle of uh, trying to lean in as an organization, when in the throes of some of the economic shutdown, we created a report called Road to Recovery with some recommendations around creating a competitiveness agenda. And I like how you mentioned, um, you know, a quality job it might have more um, to do with wealth creation than just meeting the daily need of, a, of an employee. And so how do we um, in turn invest in employees in Colorado so that they have the ability to create stability, create opportunity and joy for themselves and their family, but then long term create that ability to retire comfortably, um, hopefully still in Colorado. So all those components, I think, are really well said. Um, tell me more about, again, Colleen, um, what tools are available if we have business leaders interested in delving into this further? Where would, where would they go? What would they find perhaps on your website? Yeah, if they come to our website, which is cwdc.colorado.gov, then we have 
and explanation, you can see the job quality framework listed, but we're currently working on setting up a pilot program with a company called Working Metrics. And it's kind of like a good housekeeping seal of approval. You can put in your data and come back with a scorecard. How are we doing? Where are we sitting? What could we improve on? So it's a really great way for companies to be able to take that internal look. Um, It is private. They don't have to share their results with anyone. They can use it internally or they can use that um, as an external recruiting tool to say, hey, look, we're doing all this for our employees. So there's some links on our website. There's a video that you can watch to explain it further, but uh, we can also do a presentation on job quality in your local community or talk to somebody further. Um, So there's a couple links that uh, people can absolutely click on to get some more resources and to reach out to our team. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. I want to give Lee the last word to kind of wrap us up and really appreciate sharing with our partners more about the Colorado Job Quality Framework. Appreciate Dan being on and Colleen. Uh, But Lee, as the director of Colorado Workforce Development Council, give us the last word on on what you've launched here and how we can all be helpful to this conversation in the future. Thanks, Debbie. Ultimately, this effort is a way to make Colorado more competitive and more attractive and a better place to do business and to build the workforce that you want to build. And we believe that by focusing in on enhancing job quality, you as an employer can recruit a better pipeline, recruit a better talent pipeline, retain your employees, and ultimately get to a better spot. So we're excited to provide the support, education on what this means, as well as the tactical resources for how companies can start down a path to assess this. It is measurable. These are not just qualitative thoughts. It's data points that can be looked at and then can be acted upon and improved. So we're excited to go down this journey with you all. Great. Great last word. Appreciate the partnership that's ongoing. And thanks to everyone who tuned in to Profits and Purpose. This has been a presentation of the Colorado Business Roundtable. Be sure to check out all of our episodes on Podcatchers Everywhere at cobrt.com. Our technical producer is John Ekstrom and Deaf Communications. Thank you for listening to Profits and Purpose.